I'm Ian Brinksman from Washington, D.C., and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody. Thank you. Welcome once again. This is episode 386 of I Doubt It with Dollamore, and I am your host. As always, Jesse Dollamore, and seated across from me, actually seated right next to me, the lovely, the talented, the loyal, the ever-present force of nature, Brittany Page. It's just programming. Because we have, what episode is this? 386. 386, and we've been sitting next to each other for probably four of those. Yeah, four or five episodes Okay, so it's a pretty recent change. (laughs) So I'm surprised this is the first time that you hearken back to the old way of saying the introduction, because you've been doing good so far. Well, we just just moved into... Um, a new facility, new offices with Statesmith. Yeah. The the company that I was just previously talking about that uh, Drew Levine and I started. And uh, it's a whole new different setup. We got a... It's a whole different setup. Yeah. Previously talking about on the live stream. So if you're listening to this... Uh, <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. Previously talking about... What are, what are you talking about? I didn't hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah I, should, I should be more clear. But on 386... That's crazy. Almost 400 episodes. It is an amazing... um, If I ever take the time to sit and reflect, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. We started March 11th, 2014. You remember the day. I remember that. For sure, I remember the day. That was like the first day that we recorded. That's right. Um, March 11th, 2014. And we, we really just did it as a... I don't want to say a goof because it certainly wasn't a goof. No, but I don't. There's no way. Like if I was to tell someone, "Oh yeah, I for sure thought we'd be big." I thought, "No, no fucking way." I thought <laughs> this would be like a fun thing. Mm-hmm. And we might we might amass a couple hundred people eventually who would listen to the show. Yeah, I had no idea we would turn into this, and it's only because of our audience. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you don't have an audience, you don't really. You don't really break through. You love what you do. That's great. Yeah. But you're not reaching as many people. And I'm I'm humbled every single day. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of milestones, I think, that we can think about where uh, we got like our first phone call yeah. from someone that wasn't yeah. related to us or <laughs> our friend, um, our first call from someone internationally. Um, I mean, it was, it was exciting every step of the way, those, those little moments where something new happened, but people often ask how we got started in it or why we started doing it. And how do you usually answer that question when people ask? Well, I've always, I'm going to move my chair. This is bullshit. I don't care if you look bigger than me. You are not. (laughs) (laughs) So we... um, Taller. Taller than you. We... In the chair. I'll answer Again, you're explaining things that people on the live stream can can see and understand, and you're not explaining the context for people that are just listening. They'll be okay. (laughs) They'll be okay. Okay. So so when we started this, I mean, you can answer as well as me, because we we, we did this together, but... 
I, I've always kind of had an interest in, obviously, in politics. Um, I worked on Capitol Hill for many years. Um, immediately upon leaving the Marine Corps, I worked uh, on a congressional campaign and did a bus tour with the Senate campaign. So I've always been into politics. And radio has always been an interesting medium to me because it's, it's I think it's... Uh, it's different than TV because it's not as lazy as TV or video mm-hmm. because you really have to entertain mm-hmm. and captivate your audience. Otherwise, they're just going to fucking flip you off. <laughs> not that flip off, but, you know, they turn you off. Right. So I've always been interested in it. And then podcasting has been such a big thing that I figured we'd give it a shot. Mm-hmm. That it's something, you know, the democratization of, of information and, and entertainment, infotainment, if you will is uh is is huge right now that you can from your home reach the world in professional broadcast quality right and i, I don't know my, we obviously have resonated with with a number of people enough mm-hmm. to to have sustained us yeah and this is what we do for a living is the podcast and youtube and now statesmith so yeah well when people ask me um why I started doing this. <laughs> um, I I guess when I was a teenager, I was pretty vocal politically and uh, debated people. Yes. I was insufferable. I was insufferable. <laughs> and um, I had my pseudo parents told me one time that if I ever got kidnapped, my kidnapper would like just take me right back because I'd be trying to debate them about politics. They're like, just, hey, what? Oh, <laughs> enough of this. Yeah, but what's your position on abortion? Because I need to know how my kidnapper feels about this. Um, so I, I've always been passionate about these issues. Like I enjoy talking about these issues and people would say, Oh, you know, I hope someday to hear you on the radio or whatever. People would make those comments like they've done with you throughout your life. And so we thought, Oh, well let's just try and do a podcast. And at first we thought we would kind of select a topic in the beginning. It was very different. We would select a topic and focus on that topic. And then it kind of became, talking about current events and the news. Um, so it's very been- rapidly. We also have been very responsive to the audience. I think I've tried to. And when there was a correction, uh, a course correction that needed to be made based on feedback that I felt was worthy, we, we made that course correction. Right. Um, and here we are, you know, uh, this isn't like the 400 anniversary, 400 episode anniversary, because actually we're over 400 episodes because of uh, bonus content that we do, the standalone long-form interviews that we do. Right. So we've gone well over 400, but just four years, twice a week, Mm -hmm. in fact, which is totally by luck Mm -hmm. because I just... I was so excited about doing it that we just started (laughs) doing two a week, having no real schedule. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. doing, Still doing twice a week. We're very happy about it. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, our audience means the world to us. Like I said, not just, uh, the Patreon supporters or PayPal supporters or the people who buy shit on Amazon under our code. Uh, everybody, if you, if you take moments to listen to the show and, and communicate with the show and just be a part of the community that is being built here, um, we appreciate you and we, uh, we could not have done this without you. And we are happy to be in your lives. 
and happy to have been invited. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. And speaking of our audience and the communication, let's let's get to a couple voicemails. All of these, no shock, are guns related because of the recent events in Parkland, Florida. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is Eric again from the Midwest. Um, The point of, you know, people with mental issues not having guns, after listening to the Dana Lash talks, you know, the ups and downs, and should she have a gun? I mean, if if you were to take the sound bites of what she was saying, and she just doesn't sound like somebody that should have one. I mean, she's she's stating the case for herself. I don't know these people that just don't live in a reality anymore. They 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 just have to, you know, have like a come to Jesus moment of what reality really lives in, what really is. I I I don't know. They, these people are just making me nuts myself, and I I just can't stand those who don't live in reality. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I I would say Dana. I almost said Dana because of you. Dana Lash, the the poor man's uh, Demi Moore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the NRA uh, spokesman. Yeah, spokeswoman that she's performing. So that would be the difference in uh, the way that she's presenting. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that he's noticing is that she's performing most of the time uh, when she's doing her slam poetry sessions for the NRA TV <laughs> against the New York Times. Yeah, she's gonna fisk the New York Times. This old gray hag. This. <laughs> Yeah, she's like at a coffee house in San Francisco doing some slam poetry. Yeah, so it's, it's very good. It's hard to know. <laughs> it's hard to know when she, when she's just being genuinely her. I mean, we don't know, but I think some of that is just performance. I, you know, the same thing happens with like Tommy Laren. It's what's the what's the deal there? What is the real? You know, what you see is what you get with me. No, that's that's not the case <laughs> with with it, it can't be the case with types like. Dana, Dana Lash and uh, and the Laren monster. Do you mean because they can't go through life being that fired up all the time? They're just fucking angry and and just spewing venom. Be exhausting. And so contemptuous of America. Yeah. And the uh, the divergent views that are expressed and and held by you know three hundred six million fucking people. Yeah. It's not going to be a monolith. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a Trump-style conservatism or a George W. Bush-style conservatism across the board. Yeah. And there's too many goddamn people for that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So <laughs> I, that's, I, I think uh, I agree. Brittany, mm-hmm. should I? Yay. Now the bell is for agreements. It's for whatever I choose it to be. I guess so. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Eric. We appreciate it. Uh, let's move on. Meg. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Meg from Arkansas. Um, I'm currently listening to the latest episode, and it's in reference to 383 and this whole shooting thing. The one thing that I'm getting really, really sick of, second only to the crisis actor bullshit, is this meme that's going around talking about Last week, these kids were eating Tide Pods, and now you want them to regulate gun control. First of all, just because some idiot ate some Tide Pods doesn't mean those kids ate Tide Pods. 
Second of all, just because some idiot Florida ate Tide Pods doesn't mean those kids ate them. They seem to be fairly level-headed, intelligent people. You can possess that power at 17 and 18 years old. It, you really can. Sometimes you just mature that way. And I'm getting really sick of it. Like, yeah, the Tide Pod thing, that was hilarious. Like, who in their right mind was eating laundry detergent? Okay, fine. But that was adults doing that, not teenagers. Let's let's be realistic. And, yeah. That, oh, my God, it chaps my ass. <laughs> Last week they were eating Tide Pods. This week they're trying to regulate gun, guns. What? No! No! Anyway. Love the show. Brittany's best part. But Jesse, goddamn. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. So I would add something to that. Mm-hmm. That, that well, one, it really shows the the twisted pretzel that cons- this conservative ideology has them in right now. Because it's not just the Tide Pod argument, which, by the way, I'm seeing fucking everywhere mm-hmm. on on the internet on Twitter. I was just getting ready to quote tweet someone and make fun of them because. It's just like, weren't you eating Tide Pods a week ago? It's just, shut the fuck up. It's not funny. You're not funny, especially since the the manner with which you're delivering this seems like you're trying to be serious. Mm-hmm. But I think the more apt question is to ask these clowns is, well, if you're defending this 18-year-old as old enough to own a weapon of war and open carry in many states such as Florida... Bordering states like Georgia, if you have a permit. Mm-hmm. If they're old enough to, to own and operate a weapon of war, then they sure as fuck better be old enough to comment on policy surrounding that product. Mm-hmm. Uh, where is that? Yeah. They're just... The, it's the, the hypocrisy... And the there's no logic to it whatsoever. It's just such an emotional argument for them. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't care about stats. They don't care about data. They don't care about research. They clearly don't care about the real world effects. Seventeen dead children, mm-hmm. and their hobby because they're a sportsman is more important than the larger, more serious issue that's faced by our nation. Yeah, well, it's also just a weird impulse to taunt these um, kids that have gone through a traumatic experience. A horrific trauma. Yeah, that you would tweet them or mock them and talk about them eating Tide Pods. That just seems, it seems strange. They, they, they on the one hand, want to say they're too traumatized to be um, paraded out by the media and speak on these issues, but they're not too traumatized to be taunted on Twitter yeah, right. and mocked. Those well, two things don't. I see one response is to people who get called out for hassling children. They say, well, if they feel like they're big enough to comment, then they're big enough to get hassled. Well, (laughs) but if they're truly children and they don't know and they're not old enough to have an opinion on politics, then shouldn't you, like if a four-year-old wants to act like they're an adult, you don't like, well, he wanted to be an adult. He's going to get treated like one. You don't do that if it's truly a child. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have it both ways, and they want it that way. 
Well, they also want to have people talk about their personal experiences with things when it is someone that lost a family member in a murder by an immigrant or something like that. They, yeah. they want to hear those stories, but they don't want to hear this story about the trauma that they survived and their story isn't relevant and we need to talk about right. it later. Um, it's like the listener, I think it was a listener or someone on the Facebook page who said, they really hope that more conservatives will find their empathy mm-hmm. before they find their tragedy. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's happening here. You know, the anecdotal evidence, if you will, of these 17 dead kids and their friends who have witnessed this and had to go through this trauma, that experience, because it doesn't resonate with, with the person who shares their empathy mm-hmm. you know inducing um trauma right like a relative who got killed by a, an undocumented immigrant which is terrible mm-hmm. we should all be concerned about that mm-hmm. if someone's here illegally and they're murdering people get them the fuck out of here or put them in prison so they're not doing that anymore we mm-hmm. should all be empathetic about that kind of thing mm-hmm. but it's not a zero sum we can have it both ways right we could talk about both things yeah we can because our brains are big enough and complex enough but apparently that's not the case with many surrounding this argument i think everyone has that ability it just gets clouded by um, tribalism and having to defend your side above all else yeah and and that's obviously a big problem and why we're in this s-hole we are in this shithole. That is correct. <laughs> so the, the next call mm-hmm. uh, deals with another one of the shiny objects that the right is trying to flash around, which is this video game violent movies thing, um, which also red herring, straw man, the ultimate logical fallacy. Hey, Jesse, Brady, Casey down in Alabama. Uh... Just got done listening to the new episode, and uh seems like here we go again. We're right back around to something tragic happens, so let's blame it on the media that, that people seem to take in, you know, the, the movies and the video games. Um, I grew up in the age of violent video games, and I remember going to the store to buy Grand Theft Auto 3, and being told I wasn't allowed to buy it because I wasn't 18, which probably would have been a good call. But not because I would have played it and then went out and shot four hookers with an Uzi and stole their fucking car. Uh, it's because, you know, you have the ability to pick a hooker up and have sex with her in the game. It's probably not something that a 13-year-old needs to be doing in the game. Um, so it, it just, it seems like every time something happens, instead of turning around and looking at each other, and saying, hey, you know, what do you think the reason for this is? They just stare into a fucking camera and go, oh, it's video games, oh, it's violent movies. It's horse shit. I've played every violent video game on the planet. Never once have I uh, emulated any of the things in those video games, except maybe once, and that was just for fun. (laughs) Probably didn't help a point. I just, I don't know when we're going to get the fuck over ourselves and think maybe, hey, it's the, ra- it's the way we're raising these shitty fucking kids that makes them turn violent. Uh, maybe if they quit just, you know, smacking around or whatnot and spend time to fucking talk to them, you know, so maybe, maybe something could change, but we don't seem to live in that sort of world. Um, 
yeah, I've just kind of rambled on. I just thought that was kind of funny with the final video games. But, uh, yeah, love the show. Yeah, I thought we were done talking about that. Um, but it, it has come up again. And it came up, I think, most prominently after Columbine when, like, Marilyn Manson was being blamed yeah, and sure. Eminem music, was being right. blamed. Yeah. And it, it's like people don't know that those um, artists, their music is available in other countries as well and that they have shows that right. we have in other countries and the movies that we watch are no, in other countries. You're, you're wrong, Brittany. <laughs> violent violent rap music and, and, and heavy metal music like in Australia, when they banned guns, they also banned uh, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. <laughs> no violent video games because, you know, Call of Duty or whatever the other, not a video game guy, so I don't like know. Like Grand Theft. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. But there's, you know, all the first person shooter games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. Th- those are worldwide phenomenon. And mm-hmm. like Donald Trump said last week, like, oh, you know, we need to we need to put ratings on violent <laughs> movies. Yeah. Yeah, Dick. We do, yeah. and we rate video games. Yeah. So it's not necessarily. Uh, it, it's it's not that it's not necessarily. It's not there. There there has been zero studies that show a correlation between these two things. And we should right now more than ever we should be relying on data and research, scientists compiling longitudinal studies mm-hmm. to look at this. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's no studies that show that, um, but I would say... Well, at the preponderance of the studies. Right, so whenever you look at that, you want to find where the consensus is. And and from what I have been reading, and I haven't done a deep dive, so whatever, um, (laughs) don't comment on me doing this. Uh, (laughs) um, there, There is no causal relationship, for sure, so... Uh, that's a difficult argument to make. But a lot of these conversations online turn into, well, I knew a lot of people that played violent video games and they were aggressive and violent. And then the next person says, well, I knew a lot of people that played it and they weren't (laughs) aggressive and violent. So here we are. You you posted something that was very funny on Facebook today, which is kind of, uh, it it was emblematic of of something that you've been seeing, Mm -hmm. which is that very thing. Someone presents the other side with what their anecdotal evidence mm-hmm. is, and then it's immediately countered by the other side of the argument yeah. with only anecdotal evidence. And that's why arguing only from your personal experience is difficult, especially when you're talking policy decisions. There are people who study these things. If it has to do with society and there's a policy that people want made, it's being studied somewhere. So yeah. it's it's best to go look at that and review the research that's out there and that information and not just be focused on your own experience and the people you know the people that you associate because with. it might not generalize to the the, to the, population. the greater population yeah but i do want to talk about um something that casey mentioned in his call and i want to get your opinion on this too i've seen a couple of articles one of them is by michael ian black the mm. comedian and right. he wrote an op-ed in the New York Times, and it's called The Boys Are Not All Right. And he basically talks about um, masculinity mm. and how most of the shooters that we see are angry, isolated, white men. Yeah, that well, that's for sure. That's certain. And that most, the vast majority. Yes. And that maybe there is a conversation that needs to be had about how men 
process or don't process their emotions, can or cannot reach out and open up to people. And he talks about how he felt that way growing up that he couldn't really show his emotions. Hmm. Um, he says he sees it in his son when his son gets frustrated and stomps up the stairs and uh, doesn't open up about how he's feeling and kind of this conversation about masculinity and how easy it is for men to feel emasculated. He actually opens the article saying that he used to have a one liner quote, if you want to emasculate a guy friend, when you're at a restaurant, ask him everything that he's going to order. And then when the waitress comes order for him, <laughs> and he says he says quote it's funny because it shouldn't be that easy to rob a man of his masculinity yeah, but it is that would not bother me in the slightest and so this that's less dealing with the public that's great <laughs> <laughs> um but i think it's an interesting point and an interesting For conversation sure to have about how men still can't cry men donald trump makes fun of men who cry uh yeah. the president of the united states and so kind of this conversation about what masculinity is and how can people open up how can men open up about their emotions and be different things not have to be this singular definition of masculinity i don't that's a difficult subject for me mm -hmm. because i don't fucking get it um <laughs> As many complaints as I have about my childhood, mm -hmm. um, that's not an area that I was deprived. Mm. I think I was, my parents did me well related to that because mm -hmm. I'm a crier. I'm emotional. Yeah. I cry at goddamn car commercials, Volkswagen <laughs> bastards. I mean, I cry. I like, this is us. We're watching this is us right now on oh, Hulu. Oh, Jesus. And I'm a wreck. Yeah. I'm a wreck. Yeah. You know what? You want to cry if you're an emotional person. Go watch How to Die in Oregon, oh. wherever that is available right now. And I am also, I'm not ashamed. I'm not, if so, I get made fun of on YouTube or wherever if someone's listened to the podcast because there's several times on this show yeah. where, where we have had listeners who have passed or getting emotional, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm okay with being emotional. I'm okay with crying. I'm okay. Uh, so I've not, that, that whole one, I bristle at the toxic masculinity thing that gets talked about, I think, too much. Right. Um, but I don't identify. Mm. And if Michael Ian Black, I mean, I don't, not a giant fan of his, so I could maybe shit on him a little bit, is, why are you looking at the camera? <laughs> I, if he's watching, I just wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to show him some support <laughs> from my side, <laughs> so, just in case no, he happens so it, to be. It's well, if that's the case, and then why didn't he raise his son to not to, to 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 be so closed off? Well, no, I think he's his son is still young, and he's talking about that he sees the tendency in his hmm. son. I'm sure that he's doing something to intervene. I'm just saying that that he is saying that he notices that. Hmm. In his that he notices the tendency to pull away from emotion, to stuff it down, to not talk about it, to. I wonder how much of that is nature versus versus nurture. Mm -hmm. Can that be trained out of a kid? So maybe maybe it's just in my genetics to be more sensitive open to emotion and, and sensitive and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, well, I think it can also be encouraged. Um, yeah, sure. It, it definitely depends on. The environment that you're raised in. Yeah, I mean, I we I grew up in a very touchy, lovey, evangelical household, so we weren't afraid of showing emotion or yeah 
having fiery debates about shit either. I mean, that yeah. kind of led to, you know, I, 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 it's not my fault. I got turned into this. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I don't know, speaking personally, and I, I'm a woman, uh, but I you was, are a woman. I was raised differently. I think more like a boy would be raised, I think in certain ways. And I didn't used to be emotional. That came I used to make jokes. Later, yeah, I used to be kind of a robot. Called you a robot. <laughs> and uh, then I started to get emotional yeah. as an adult. So, Well, I think it's just letting the guard down. Yeah, but I think that's what happens to boys. Yeah. Um, that they have it. They have those emotions, but they aren't showing them. And what is the effect of that? Is there, is there something at play here? Is that something that needs to be discussed? Bottling so, it up isn't yeah. good because it's going to... Ex- I, I don't know if that's the case. going to come out but, somehow. Yeah, but it seems like there's got to be an event or an outlet for that. Yeah. And oftentimes that tends to not be a positive thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, one final voicemail before we move on with the rest of the program. I've got some questions about the Second Amendment and its limitations. You know, like all amendments, the Supreme Court has decided that there are certain limits we can put on these rights granted by the Constitution. And, and, you know, the Constitution's just a set of rules or norms or principles that we all agree to live under. It's really the fabric that holds our nation and society together and keeps us from uh, spiraling into lawless chaos or falling under a narcissistic tweeting autocrat. We may not like all the aspects and the limits of the amendments and the limits they put on us as decided by the Supreme Court, but we all agree to live by those because they all flow from the source, which is the Constitution. In, in, in District of Columbia versus Heller, it's 554 U.S. 570. It was, uh, they cited it in 2008, and they, they claim it's a landmark case. The Supreme Court held 5-4 that the Second Amendment protects the individual's rights to possess a firearm unconnected to service in a militia. goes on to say that the, the D.C. law that banned, it, it laid out really harsh ways you could store weapons, and so they said, no, it's, it's too, too harsh. We're, we're not going there. But you have the right to have a gun. Heller is further explained by the opinion of Justice Scalia, one of the most conservative justices in recent history. And he wrote, like most rights, the right to secure by the, the right secured by the Second Amendment is not unlimited. It is not the right to keep and carry any weapon whatsoever, in any manner whatsoever, or for whatever purpose. He also said that the concealment laws were uh, at the, around at the time of the Constitution, and so they, they said that's fine. They also went on to say that you can have a hunting rifle, shotguns, handguns for home protection. That's not a problem. But military weapons like AR-15s and assault rifles are not assured by the Second Amendment. So it appears that it's settled law. The Second Amendment is not unlimited and that military weapons are not permitted. The limit on the Second Amendment begins with restrictions of military weapons. You know, we've we've outlawed uh, weapons before or banned them. We banned uh, uh, machine guns in 1934. And we banned, uh, Kennedy banned assault rifles, in, you know, and that ban ran for 10 years in, until uh, Bush let it expire. So why do we keep having a discussion about whether or not you can have them when, in fact, it sounds like the Supreme Court says that you can't? And, and since the AR and all those, they, their DNA comes from those military weapons, they're, they're copies, it's rather obvious that we should be able to get a ban on them. 
I guess I'm just asking, what the hell? Why can't we do something? And where do we go from here? As usual, Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Gary. <laughs> uh, two things. No, awesome call. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love when people have their shit together. Yes. Most our callers do. On this top of it. Ex- especially shit together E. Oh. Shit together esque. <laughs> Um, two things. One, I, the, the the Supreme Court hasn't ruled that we can't own assault weapons. The Supreme Court has ruled that there can be limitations placed on what types of weapons can be owned by the citizenry. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a distinction that needs to be drawn there. Secondly, where do we go from here? What's the problem? Why aren't they doing it? That answer is simple. We don't have the political fucking courage to do so. We have cowards in Congress. And the, 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 the blame doesn't just fall on Republicans because the Democrats had a cloture-proof majority in the Senate at one point when they held the House, the Senate, and, and, and the White House under Obama, and they didn't do a goddamn thing about this. All of these people, all of these leaders are to blame uh, to a degree. However, we can't dwell on the past. We have to look forward and live in the present. And right now, we have political capital to do something. We have the, the forward momentum and the American people behind the decision to make some changes relative to the ownership of assault weapons AR-15s should not be publicly available and publicly uh, open-carried and purchased by 18-year-olds. And also, it's not as easy as just ban them all. There are certain licenses that are far more restrictive. We, we've had a, a guest on the show where we talked about guns, Victor. And... He, he has a special license from the ATF that permits him to, to own, I believe, fully automatic and like more crazy type of weapons because he's a hobbyist. However, he is, it is stringent and he is held to a far higher standard. He has to submit to the ATF coming to his home unannounced at any time to inspect what's going on there. It's not just a normal license to carry, mm-hmm. a license to own. We're going to get into this because Wayne LaPierre speaks and says some ridiculous shit. No. <laughs> I know. Shocking, right? <laughs> <laughs> but we need to compel our elected representatives. After all, it is we the people. They work for us. They're not private contractors who can do what they want to fucking do. Well, and things do seem different this time, like we've said. Um, yes. the, the pressure is going to continue to be put on them to do something because of these high school students. That's right. Uh, Emma Gonzalez has more Twitter followers than Dana Lash. And the NRA. Than the NRA. And it, it seems like this is going to be something that continues. And listen, I'm new to this position. Mm-hmm. It was after Vegas that I changed my mind on the ownership of AR-15s. Yeah. I'm not some gun-grabbing, bleeding-heart liberal. I 
I am okay with the Second Amendment. I, I am a, a, a fervent believer in the right to defend yourself and your property and your family. And if you need to use a, a weapon, a, a firearm to do so, I'm okay with that. But God damn it, when we have almost 600 people dead or wounded in Vegas, 17 students, innocent kids, gunned down while the fucking coward police wait outside. We've got a problem we have to deal with in America. And weapons of war do not need to be owned. It is a detriment to the rest of us that they, they are so easily accept, uh, uh, available, obtainable. Thank you all for the voicemails. We appreciate it very much. If you too would like to sound off, leave a, a fewer than three-minute voicemail. Call 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Andrew. Andrew. Andrew is our latest Patreon supporter. Thank you, Andrew. We appreciate it very much. Yes, amazing. If you are not the Patreon type and you'd like to buy yourself some Dollamore swag, as it were. Oh, Look yeah. at this. A Look at this. I just happened to have it here. Is, is a, let's see if that's in the shot. There oh. we go. Mm. That is a tote. It's a tote with the <laughs> logo on it. And Classy Laid on the back. You you don't need to get one that says Classy Laid, although why wouldn't you? They are There are ones with sans Classy Laid. Yeah. There's also t-shirts and mugs and everything else. You can go to dollamore.info for that gear. We appreciate the support. Every little bit goes a long way towards supporting the show, helping produce the show, helping us move the conversation forward. There's also Amazon.com. Yes. You go to dollamore.com slash Amazon, and that redirects you. Mm-hmm. To a link where you just shop, you pay the regular amount. You're, if you're going to spend your money there anyway, why not help support your favorite show filled with news, news. and ridiculous comment? Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. As a matter of follow-up, this is something we talked about uh, a couple months ago. Eric Greitens. Was it a couple months ago? Yeah, January. January 11th was when I did the last video it's on It's like this. a month and a half ago. Wow. <laughs> We're almost in March. Uh, Stickler McGee over here. Not quite, Goddamn. though. So, mm -hmm. uh, Eric Greitens is the governor of Missouri. Former Navy SEAL. Family, faith, and freedom kind of guy. Really, like in his campaign commercials, he's firing machine guns and shit. Really, just to remind you, hey, yeah. everybody, I was a Navy SEAL. Yeah. He's one of those guys. Yeah. Well, I did a video because there were allegations that he had taken naked photographs of the woman he was having an affair with, 
tied to a pull-up bar Mm -hmm. against her will for the purpose of possibly blackmailing her. Yes. Well, those are, they're still allegations, but they are now felony indictments. Tonight, the governor of Missouri is dismissing calls to step down, facing a felony charge stemming from an affair. Here's ABC's Lindsey Davis. Amid growing calls for his resignation, the governor of Missouri tonight is fighting for his political life. I'm very disappointed in uh, you know, the governor's actions and the point we're at today. Eric Greitens was arrested yesterday after a grand jury charged him with invasion of privacy, alleging the governor of the Show Me State knowingly photographed his mistress in a state of full or partial nudity without the knowledge and consent of her and uploaded it in a way that allowed access via a computer. I am a very proud husband and father. Greitens, who ran on a platform of family values, admitted in January to having an affair before he was governor. I'm Eric Greitens. But he denies claims made by his mistress and her ex-husband that he bound her hands, blindfolded her, and took a partially nude photo of her to use as blackmail to keep her silent. There was no blackmail. There was no violence. The mistake that I made was that I was engaged in a consensual relationship with a woman who wasn't my wife. His wife has said she's forgiven him for the affair and that they've emerged stronger. Tonight, the governor is vowing to fight back. The charges against the governor are baseless and unfounded. Greitens was released but still faces a felony charge. He says this case is all about politics, but today he did step down from his position with the Republican Governors Association. His lawyers are trying to get this case dismissed. All right, Lindsay, thank you. So how many of these guys... These family values guys yeah. that are always talking about it a little too much <laughs> yeah, they, where you start to get the feeling like I think something else might be going on here because yeah, yeah. you're talking about it a lot. Yeah, th- 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 this is the bad news. Yeah. And at least uh, it, members of the GOP in Missouri are doing the right thing here and say, hey, you got to get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> One, you're, you're damaging the brand yeah. on a more superficial level. Mm-hmm. But two, you're a piece of shit. You... you this is there are recordings of when the husband and the wife who are now divorced and it was because of this affair that they got divorced and this husband who was jealous and out of his mind because his wife was cheating on him mm-hmm. he, she was a hairdresser the hairdresser of Eric Greitens mm-hmm. well this this husband the ex-husband now mm-hmm. took recordings of her admitting to all of this. Yeah. So it wasn't like they got together and like, oh, this is just politics. This was just a an angry, sad, broken husband mm-hmm. who did what you do in, in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. And Eric Reitens, Mr. Faith and Family and Firearms. You know, he's one of those dicks. Yeah, so he, you were saying that he had presidential aspirations. Absolutely. He's one of those guys that has long talked about wanting to uh, work his way up to running for president. I'm sure we will see him in that position. Yeah. This Uh, is not necessarily a deterrent. Am I right? (laughs) He's going to end up being forced out in disgrace. Well, why? He's going to go on goddamn trial while governor of the state of Missouri. Is that going to happen to other people as well? or? Well, we hope so. Okay. We can only hope, Brittany Page. So are we going to talk about Donald Trump and his love for figures like Duterte? Oh, Rodrigo Duterte, the president of the Philippines, who admits to murdering people, mm-hmm. admits to taking people on helicopter rides 
and throwing them out over the sea. Well, apparently Donald Trump is a fan of extra ju- ju- judicial killings. Yes. Because uh, according to Axios, they have this reporting, quote, in Singapore, the death penalty is mandatory for drug trafficking offenses and President Trump loves it. He's been telling friends for months that the country's policy to execute drug traffickers is the reason its drug consumption rates are so low. He says that a lot, said a source who's spoken to Trump at length about the subject. He says, when I ask the prime minister of Singapore, do they have a drug problem? The prime minister replies, no, death penalty. A senior administration official said to Axios, quote, he often jokes about killing drug dealers. He'll say, you know, the Chinese and Filipinos don't have a drug problem. They just kill them. Tell me he doesn't have an authoritarian fantasy he wants to be that type of character Mm -hmm. that's not the country we live in we Mm -hmm. abide by our constitution yeah and you don't get to do that yeah cruel and unusual punishment due process there's all kinds of different things that come into play that would prohibit preclude Mm -hmm. eliminate the option yeah For our judicial system to work like that. Well, and according to this reporting, he doesn't just joke about it. He actually goes into passionate speeches about it, which I would love to see that. (laughs) When does he give a passionate speech um, on the fly? I would love to see what that's like. Can you imagine? I I don't know. We're going to hear what Sean Hannity a little later thinks is a passionate, rousing speech. And it's... Him just being a goddamn idiot. What's interesting about this, though, is he isn't Donald Trump the one that's always complaining about how um, Paul Manafort's being treated unfairly or Michael Flynn is being treated unfairly. Unfair. But in his mind, I'm assuming Donald Trump, drug dealers, that's blacks and Mexicans. That's not... That's not good old white people. Uh-huh. That's not Steve Bannon types. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have to put to death good old white folks. Yeah. He's apparently never seen uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> the scourge of meth in our in the, the, the Inland Empire here in California. Yeah. Which isn't, you know just a people of color problem well let's also get a little bit further into this because he says that um he tells people that the approach to drug reform where you show sympathy um and give lenient sentences that will never work and he tells (laughs) he tells his friends and associates that the government needs to teach children that if they take drugs they're gonna die Wow. Okay. We've never tried that. What a what a <laughs> prolifically unique uh solution to mm-hmm. our problem that face us. Yeah. And so <laughs> <laughs> while he You know what we should do? We should call this new program Just Say No. Mm-hmm. And oh, I just came up with something good. Oh. Come up with, with commercials. Yeah. Where they fry an egg in a pan and say, This is your brain. <laughs> On drugs. That'll scare the shit out of the kiddies. Yeah. It'll work. It'll be a surefire working method. I think it'll work great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Been there, done that. Come on. Yeah. So Kellyanne Conway says that his Mm. his position is more nuanced than than this. Um, We're we're sure that it is. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the the word nuance really suits Donald Trump. Yeah. When you think of of Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. I immediately think. Hmm. Yeah. Metered, mm-hmm. measured, yeah. nuanced outlooks on topics that are 
of great import. Real reasonable guy. To our country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. Um, there was another thing. And this is kind of, I guess, the come on, man, segment of the show, uh-huh. which is Donald Trump wants to appoint his former pilot, mm-hmm. his former personal pilot, the guy who flew him during the campaign and flew the Trump airplane, mm-hmm. wants to make him the administrator of the Federal Aviation Administration. Right. He wants him to head that organization. Which has an, a multi-billion dollar budget. Well, he flies planes. He should be able to be a great administrator for that. Mm-hmm. Again, not a lot of nuance. Mm-hmm. Also, oh, I know that guy. Let's give that guy a great job. Yeah. Ugh, fucking... Come on, man. Why Why can't Ivanka do it? <laughs> he knows her, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She can do everything. I think there might be a federal prohibition about appointing people to positions that you want to fuck. Oh. Because he wants to bang his daughter. And there must, that must be the reason. He wants to date her. Date he would, her, he right. would date her. Yeah. You know, take her for a milkshake. <laughs> At McDonald's. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. All right. Well... Let's move in. That was a terrible segue, but let's let's move into this this debate about uh, the shootings. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, there have been multiple shootings that have been thwarted, mm-hmm. that have been stopped because of law enforcement. And uh, here's some info on one that really Brittany brought it to my attention because it is alarming. See something, say something. That's exactly what police say one student did when she heard two of her classmates from Leonardtown High School talking about bringing guns to school. On Thursday, February 15th, the St. Mary's County Public School System alerted the Sheriff's Office about two teen boys, ages 15 and 16, talking on the bus about allegedly planning a mass shooting. The Sheriff's Office moved quickly to question the teens and their parents. The students denied making a threat. The parents or parent assured deputies that the students had no access to firearms. That assurance proved false when investigators returned with a search and seizure warrant for the home of the 15-year-old whose father had a federal firearms license. When deputies entered the home, they found nearly 40 unsecured weapons. These include a handgun in the 14-year-old son's room, and a handgun in the room of the 15-year-old juvenile suspect student's bedroom. Come on, man. The suspect's father, 39-year-old David William Fairfax, was charged with reckless endangerment, access to a firearm by a minor, and illegal transfer of a firearm. St. Mary's County State's Attorney Richard Fritz applauds the efforts of those who spoke up. This is a prime example how young people can become involved and can bring safety to their school system. After meeting with the state's attorney's office, FBI, ATF, and the school board, a second warrant was issued for the removal of all weapons from Fairfax's home. An additional 25 weapons were seized, along with ammunition, gun parts, and suppressors. Currently, the two teens are charged with threats of mass violence. The state's attorney's office could later decide to charge them as adults. In the meantime, St. Mary's County Public Schools urge everyone to remain vigilant. On our school system webpage, we've built a gigantic, big blue button, and it is 
truly monitored 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In Leonardtown, Joy Shrum, TheBayNet.com. So these teenagers were talking about this and their comments said that they were too smart to get caught. Thankfully, that well, wasn't true. Yeah, thankfully, yeah. And that their tactical experience would result in a higher death toll than Parkland. Wow. So in the immediate aftermath, they're referencing this most reach, recent massacre. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I'm, it is it is awesome that 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 citizens mm-hmm. are are being diligent mm-hmm. and. And law enforcement acted appropriately. Yeah, in taking this case. it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's one of the mistakes of Parkland, right? The number of calls that were made about this shooter. Yeah. Which um, we're going to get to that too. Jake Tapper yeah. doing what JTAP does. Yeah. Took that, that Sheriff Israel to fucking task today. But what the hell's going on in this house? What? 39 unsecured gun, like just laying around the house. The guns yeah. are just laying around the house. Well, I'll also let you know that just because you have a an ATF, a federal firearms license where you're you're able to buy and sell weapons, this shows those aren't all responsible NRA types like the NRA wants you to think. Mm-hmm. Oh no, they're licensed federally. They're doing their jobs. They're responsible citizens who respect the Second Amendment. This guy has handguns laying around in his fucking young teenage boys' bedrooms who are plotting to murder citizens. And then when the cops come, they say, hey, you got any guns in there? Oh, no, no, officer. No guns in here. Nope. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. because they didn't fucking believe it, Mm -hmm. they get a search warrant and 40 guns. Mm -hmm. Come on. So this is the third or fourth um, this is for sure the fourth, maybe the fifth. Yeah, instance where some someone was over since Parkland. Yes, the the fourth since Parkland. Yeah, that's been thwarted. That students heard other students talking about this, and they reported it, and it it was stopped. So that's terrifying. Yeah, to yeah. think of how many have been stopped in a week, ish. And how many are currently out there being planned? What the hell is going on? And Donald Trump, who isn't he a see something, say something guy about <laughs> yeah. um, Islamic terrorism? Oh, D- yeah. Didn't he talk he about, about it that? all the time? See something, say something. Yeah. So why isn't he out there tweeting about that? Right. See something, say something. If you hear your someone at school talking about this, you got to tell. Well, he's too busy talking about how the FBI's investigating Russia and. That's why they're blowing it on the they, on, on the on the the gun thing. Yeah. Well, all of these organizations, the NRA, should be all over this. See something, say something. Everyone should be promoting that idea, right? It's a viable. Listen, it, it, it cops can't be everywhere. Law enforcement can't be everywhere. Your neighbors even can't be everywhere. But if you do see something that seems a little bit mm-hmm. like ah, I don't know. It doesn't hurt anything mm-hmm. to say something and have authorities look into it. Right. It doesn't stigmatize a person. It doesn't put them into the, the court system. It doesn't throw them into the justice system. It's just a cop goes out and does a does a, a welfare check. Mm-hmm. In this case, it didn't smell right. They were able to get a warrant, do everything legally, and it worked out. Mm-hmm. 
Who knows how many lives could have been saved? Even, listen, they could have been just jokey, dickbag kids. But what if not? Yeah. What if not? And we had another Parkland Mm -hmm. a week later. Yeah. God damn. And... (laughs) You can't joke about this kind of stuff. So that needs right. to go away. Yeah, yeah. You know, this whole thing of threatening to kill people on the internet and yeah. make, Tell me about making it. these threats and then you're allowed to say that you didn't mean it or it was a joke. No, you don't get to talk like that. You you can't just threaten people. You can't threaten to cause harm to other people. It's not protected speech. I'm all about free speech. That is not pro- constitutionally protected speech. Threats of violence are not protected speech. Three times. I feel very strongly about it, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> Threefold. It needs to be reinforced. Yeah, sounds like it. Even to the dick faces on the internet. Yeah. Who feel that it's okay to do it to 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 us. Yeah. Not okay. Unconstitutional. Not okay. Four times. <laughs> Jerk offs. All right, well... There's another added element to this entire shooting thing, and that is kind of the the effect that it's that's rippling through. How is it affecting the children who are growing up witnessing this stuff take place? Van Jones just did. I love what Van Jones does on CNN, where he d- takes his like van ride. He he takes people who disagree about a topic, and he he they're fucking captive. <laughs> In an SUV, and then he just drives around talking to them. In the van. Is it yeah, called it, it, Van with Van Jones? Are they really in a van? I don't I don't know. Yes, it was a minivan. Oh, wow. And yeah, the, the, the guy who got in wow. had a difficult time sliding the door open. I don't know. Yeah. Wow, that's, uh, that would be very cheesy if that's the case. Yeah. But it's like James Corden, except with politics, and it's not as entertaining. Yeah, so he gets people in there who disagree, and in this situation, in this clip, uh, you're only going to hear one person talk. Well, the woman in Van yeah. Jones, but the woman you're going to hear talk voted for Clinton, and there's two other people in the vehicle with her, in addition to Van Jones, and they voted for Trump. So he basically gets these people in the van and has a, a chat with them about politics. And in this particular episode, they were in Las Vegas to discuss the Las Vegas shooting. And I, I think all three of them were present at the shooting. If that's not the case, at least two were, both of the mm. women. And she's talking about her child five-year-old child and how they're now reacting about going to events. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's great that you mentioned, I didn't know that it was the shooting. Yes. They were at the shooting in Vegas at the concert. Yes. But um, that adds an an added element of, of sadness to this. It's kind of, I just have no place in my life for guns. And I, I, I never, I don't want to see a gun. I don't want to run from a gun. I don't want to be around a gun. I, that's just me. Like, I did grow up that way. How old are your kids? Three and five. Three and five. My three-year-old, actually, the other day, um, my husband and I were talking about um, going to a concert that we were going to go to. And he goes, Mommy, are you going to a shooting concert? And for that to be, like, an adjective in his vocabulary, I don't know. It just, I hit you pretty hard as a mom, I think. Um, you know, um, that he's three and, and that's his world now. Three. I'm sorry. I thought it was five. Yeah, it's terrifying. And I saw a social media post and along these same lines where a teacher who's in a wheelchair 
um, shared her story of coming back after this Parkland shooting. And she was nervous to face her class because she didn't want to have this conversation. A teacher at Parkland High School. I don't believe she was a teacher oh, okay. at Parkland. No, just a teacher. These yeah, school yeah. shootings happen and kids hear about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. You come back to school and I, I don't know if she was. Someone can correct me. That's fine. Um, <laughs> useful, in fact. Um, and she... We're all about accurate information. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she was in a wheelchair and... You, you more than me. Yes. It's a joke. And the students um, said, what do we do if a, if a shooter comes in here? Because she's in a wheelchair. The implication was because yeah. you're in a wheelchair, what do we do? We're not all mobile in here. Um, and she said, you guys leave. You leave me. You, you, do, you do whatever you have to do. You don't worry about me. Whatever. Right. And they said that they already talked about it and that they plan to carry her out if something like that happens. Wow. And the fact that kids are having to plot yeah. how they're going to save their teacher, save their friends, protect themselves, that their parents are going to get shot at a concert. Um, it's terrifying. There are solutions to these fucking problems. It's not just the world in which we live. It's not, according to Bill O'Reilly, oh, that's the price you pay for freedom. No. No. No other country on the planet who's not in the midst of war, like Syria, has these kind of problems. Nowhere else in the developed world do they face Children being worried their parents are going to die by gunfire at a country music concert. Mm -hmm. No other country in the world are students legitimately fearful mm -hmm. that they might die en masse just going to school. There are solutions to this. We must have the moral and political courage to enact them. Mm -hmm. Well, and I saw a tweet today, and uh, they are asking that people not fly helicopters over the school in Parkland um, because the students are struggling with yeah. their trauma. and Which is a very real thing. Yeah, and so this has just ramifications everywhere and i i i don't understand how people don't want to talk about it say we can't talk about it because yeah. this seems like a a pretty important thing when three-year-olds are concerned that their parents are going to get killed at a concert um it's a problem chiefly among them why is the nra not willing to come to the table with reasonable solutions with reasonable compromise on this issue we know what, what the supreme court has held gary talked about it at the top of the show in a voicemail there are solutions here and the nra is recalcitrant the nra has doubled down on their extremist views that are going to serve more death more destruction, more ending of lives of American children. 
Here's Wayne LaPierre. He gave about a 45-minute speech at CPAC, which is a conservative. It's it's out there. On the spectrum, it's probably if, if a 1 is Bernie Sanders and a 10 is something crazy conservative, it's probably a... An eight and a half or a nine. Hmm. It's it's pretty conservative. And they've tailored their message to the agenda of Donald Trump. Yeah. Last year they invited Milo Yiannopoulos. Right. So when you said to disinvite him. Yeah, when you said eight point five, I was like, oh. Well, here's what happens. They with CPAC, mm-hmm. any political action conference or any conference that you go to, any conference, political conference. If they have to keep disinviting people because they're too fucking radical, yeah, you should probably distance yourself from them. Mm-hmm. Well, this year it was Wayne LaPierre, and this is a portion of his speech that we're going to talk about. But here's something we must be careful of. Ah, here we go. Hang on. <laughs> this is just after. I want to give some some context here. This is just after. He spent several minutes talking about bolstering background checks and the medical record system of the mentally ill. Getting them into the system so they can be flagged, so they can be prevented from getting firearms. Because to the NRA, this is all about mental health. This isn't about the availability, the easy access to weapons. This is just about, oh, we got too many crazy people. That's what they think. So after minutes talking about that, then he discounts his own argument, turning around and dismantling his own argument, talking about what a slippery slope that would be. But here's something we must be careful of as we go forward. We all have to be careful that this doesn't become a runaway train. What if all of your medical records, perhaps your conversations with your doctor, your prescription information. Do we really want all that on a government list and in a government database? Here's another one. A military vet comes, goes to his or her local VA, comes home, goes to his or her local VA, and tells the doctor they're in trouble sleeping at night. Or anyone who shares nightmares, their nightmares with a medical professional. They all become potential triggers that somebody somewhere could define as a mental health barrier to owning a firearm. I even heard a television pundit recently suggesting that people seeking to buy a firearm should be interviewed first. I mean, interviewed first? Who's... (laughs) All right. What a radical idea. We're stopping there. Fuck you, Wayne LaPierre. Are you goddamn crazy? What's the problem with interviewing someone? Oh, you want to buy a weapon of mass destruction? You want to buy a weapon of war? Oh, my God. I would love to interview and see exactly what kind of a person you are. But, oh, that's crazy talk. That is, what in the fuck is, where on earth is he speaking that people are like, yeah, what? He wants to interview somebody who wants to own a weapon? That has a 30-round magazine and can gun down 17 children inside of just a few seconds? Oh, that's crazy. Why would you want to interview somebody? That is a clear violation of their constitutional rights to qualify them. 
<laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to the in the, the the DMV, but it's not exactly a non-intrusive process. When you put your head against the germ-filled, the germ-covered eye <laughs> Well, now check. you're speaking my language. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, I, I, all I want to do is drive. You got to you gotta check my eyesight? Is that going to go in your government <laughs> database? Yeah. Get the fuck out of well, here. Well, it's also most Americans support uh, expanding the background checks. And I don't know what that entails, what that, what that means when what? they want to expand it, but... I'm assuming it would involve additional questions, additional screening of some sort. Well, it's not just expanding the background checks as far as like making them more robust. Right. It's even right now, if I owned a, if I owned a gun that I wanted to sell mm-hmm. and crazy Joe McCrazy guy, my neighbor uh-huh. who has a violent history, yeah. who I don't know, yeah, um, but he seems okay to me. Every time I talk to him, he's not like, you know, hitting me or acting violent. I mean, even with the name. I haven't heard. Well, it's Crazy Joe. It's just a nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But if he wants to buy that gun from me, he -hmm. doesn't have to go through a background check. I could just sell him the gun. Not even be illegal. It's not illegal for me to sell a gun to a felon. Because I don't know. I'm not doing a background check. Mm Mm-hmm. Gun shows, there's several occurrences where someone can walk into a gun show, sit down with someone who's fire, who's, who's selling a gun, and buy the gun. No background check. We need universal background checks where it is illegal to sell a weapon privately unless you go through a federally licensed firearm person, like those ding-dongs that we just talked about in Maryland, with the kids... Again, not foolproof, but we're, it's adding the layer of protection that possibly will stop something from happening. Possible deterrent. That's right. Mm-hmm. Not certain, but... Right. Well, we can do what we can do. There's right. a, we're never going to stop it 100%. There yeah. still are shootings in Australia. There yeah. are. <laughs> well, I love when you hear these politicians stand up and say, well, a law isn't going to prevent it from happening. Well, then why is murder illegal? Right. That's exactly right. Why is kidnapping a crime? Why is anything a law? You're arguing against laws. That's what right. you're doing. What are you here for then? <laughs> Get out. Yeah, they're, they're, they're talking themselves out of a position. Well, Wayne LaPierre continues. I cut it off because I got a little fed up, but uh, let's listen to Ding Dong McGee continue with his eloquent speech. Who's going to conduct that interview? And what will they ask? That's the challenge we as a free society face. How do we create a step along the way called due process that protects the innocent? law-abiding people of this country from being falsely accused, politically abused, and permanently stigmatized unjustly. Come on. Socialists oppose all of our most fundamental freedoms. Says the guy who is stigmatizing the mentally ill on a daily basis right now. Yeah. What are we going to do? We're going to be stigmatizing people unjustly as he stigmatizes people unjustly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's his new job description. Ugh. Enshrined in the Bill of Rights. They don't like free speech any more than they like the Second Amendment. They like only limited speech, controlled speech, controlled by them, 
through safe speech zones where they can shame the outspoken or riot to shut them up. If you still think we have full First Amendment freedom in this country, try going right now out to Berkeley and speaking out in favor of conservative causes or even the Second Amendment. So if you go to Berkeley, are you arrested because of the speech that you made? Is that what he's implicating? Because if you don't have full First Amendment privileges, full First Amendment right and protection under the Constitution, uh, is that what's happening in Berkeley? Are you being arrested for your speech? No. He clearly doesn't understand the Constitution as well as he claims to. And they clap because they're lemmings. This growing socialist state dreams of manipulating school children to squeeze and squeeze information about their parents. They'll be asking your kids if mommy and daddy spank them or what mommy and daddy feeds them for dinner. They'll want to know what TV shows you watch, what magazines, newspapers you read. And oh yes, do mommy and daddy own a gun? And all that private information will be entered into that ultimate list that cloud of data storage that couldn't care less about due process and constitutional freedom and your privacy as an American citizen. And then it's just a short hop to the systematic destruction of our most basic freedoms in this country. And you all know what they are, but let me say them. Family, faith, individual responsibility, and self-destiny, a free market economy. And wait for the rest, because he's tapping into that Donald Trump Pledge of Allegiance, America, this is what we are about. We are about the, the, the national anthem. Oh, he's really, <laughs> he's really playing to the crowd mm-hmm. here, acting as though America is a singular focus, that we're not a breadbasket. We're not a nation of immigrants. We are all raw, raw Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us. It, this is divisive, disgusting rhetoric from the head of a, an organization. By the way, this guy makes $5 million a year to divide America and to continue access to weapons of war to kids. To fucking kids. Patriotism. Respect for our national flag and national anthem. Personal liberty. And justice for all. Wow. Wayne LaPierre, everybody. CEO. Justice for all. Justice for all. Including Mm. the 17 kids who were brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. In Parkland, Florida, apparently, justice for all. So, kid, was there like a Q and A session? Because I would have been curious about, um, like, how why the magazine choices would be relevant. No, but and... it would have been a circle jerk because it's CPAC. Yeah, well, I, I mean, obviously, you'd get some booze because you can't step out of line with. Well, the, the government, if the government, if they want to know that you read, you don't read. Mm-hmm. But Cosmopolitan, yeah, they're going to be. Or whatever. Yeah. Don't you dare try to tell people that I read that. <laughs> you don't read that. Well, now you're really trying to sell it. And so it looks suspicious. But I don't. 
But now you're pulling an Eric Greitens. I didn't mean you, Reed. I mean. Now you're pulling an Eric Greitens family values situation. And it seems like I'm hoarding the Cosmopolitans. What what magazines is he worried that people are going to find out that he reads? Yeah, who reads magazines still? Are people buying (laughs) magazines? I don't know. It's kind of like newspapers. The only magazine that that we have around at all is the magazine in which you were published. Skeptic Magazine. Mm. <laughs> Your article, Three Shades of Atheism. There's a little plug <laughs> for me. Thank you for that. <laughs> so this was CPAC. Uh-huh. And not only did Wayne LaPierre... Kind of a... I, you wouldn't think that they'd be a fan of him just because of the name. Yeah, it's not a real toxic masculine name. Wayne LaPierre. <laughs> um, Donald Trump also spoke. He he forego he foregone he foregoed he foregoed I think mm-hmm, that's it mm-hmm. he foregoed lots of other appearances even consoling the families of the Parkland shooting and dealing with this as President Obama did for for weeks after Newtown mm-hmm. was dealing with that not Donald Trump he went to CPAC and he gave a speech and this is the beginning of the program. Of Sean Hannity over on Fox News. Goddamn. Listen to Sean Hannity hype this speech like it was an historic speech given to the United Nations. It is (laughs) gross. Just fucking gross. And welcome to a special edition of Hannity, the Trump Agenda. Now, President Trump, he rocked the crowd. He delivered a rousing speech at CPAC 2018. Tonight for the hour, we have the highlights and, of course, reaction to all of this. We'll check in with Judge Deneen Pirro. But we start with President Trump's plan to protect American schools and students following this tragedy in Florida. Let's take a look. It's time to make our schools a much harder target for attackers. We don't want them in our schools. We don't, we don't want them. When we declare our schools to be gun-free zones, it just puts our students in far more danger. Far more danger. Well-trained, gun-adept teachers and coaches and people that work in those buildings, people that were in the Marines for 20 years and retired, people in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, people that are adept, adept with weaponry and with guns. They teach. I mean, I don't want to have a 100 guards standing with rifles all over the school. You do a concealed carry permit. He knows the guns are still there if they're concealed, right? I don't want a school filled with guns. (laughs) Everybody carrying guns. Mm -hmm. I want a concealed carry permit. (laughs) I swear to Christ, he is the dumbest motherfucker who's ever held the office. He, He seriously is. He has to be. The most stupid man who's ever held the office. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, again, I 
I'm confused by everyone cheering for him as he says this, as though arming teachers, period, is a good idea. What what country do we live in where yeah. pe- kids can't even go to school because there need to be like dragons outside fighting again? You know, like we need to build a moat <laughs> yeah, around yeah, each yeah, school. Yeah. I mean, it's just getting it's getting to a point where we need to stop and evaluate why this is happening rather than throw more guns into the situation. And and you've seen many uh, great examples of people saying things like um, your kid is hitting uh, other kids with a stick. What do you do? Do you give everyone more sticks? Right. <laughs> uh, or you take the fucking sticks yeah, away. Yeah, you take the stick away. What, what do you do in that situation? Um, it's just so strange that to hear, listen to the crowd cheering. Oh, yeah. Well, they are blindly loyal. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's uh, it's like a Bill Maher audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it? <laughs> and this would be a major deterrent because these people are inherently cowards. If they thought like if this guy thought that other people would be shooting bullets back at him, he wouldn't have gone to that school. He wouldn't have gone there. It's a gun-free zone. It says this is a gun-free zone. Please check your guns way far away. And what happens is they feel safe. There's nobody going to come. Except for in this case... He knew that there was a police officer that worked at the school and he, yeah. di- he didn't know that that guy was going to go wait outside. He didn't know that that was going to happen um, with that police officer. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, it's also it's a ridiculous ar- argument because a bank is a bank robbery free zone, too. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> You know, I mean, come yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Is this a murder-free zone? Yeah, every place is a murder-free zone. Every woman is a rape-free zone. Every man is a rape-free zone. Just because they have a law, does it? Come on, get the fuck out of here with this stupid, childish logic that apparently works on morons. <laughs> Check your guns. God damn. Way far away. <laughs> like oh oh. That Wells Fargo is a is a bank robbery free zone. I'm not some cuck pussy. <laughs> I I only go to banks that aren't bank robbing free zones. Uh, Just, I, I'm done. I, I was gonna finish the rest of it, but I'm I'm tired. Oh, but it gets better. No, nah. it gets really informational, and right. we learn a lot. Well, it's also the highlights that which conveniently uh, Sean Hannity. Da, 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 da. Impressive. <laughs> Sean Hannity leaves out the part where Donald Trump talks about his bald stop spot for the first time I've ever heard. Yeah. Oh, I, I work really hard at keeping it covered. Well, because he was the video. He was photographed with it flying all about. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he probably saw that. It's like cried fucking, himself to sleep that night. It's like a fucking trap door of hair. And felt as though he needed to address it because isn't that the way things go? You have to talk about it so that people can't mock it because you already talked about yeah, it. That's right. I've already talked about that. Except that's... for the mocking already happened. So a little <laughs> late on that one, but nice try. <laughs> So anyway, we're going to, I don't know. Listen, this is, 
we are we are early on in getting these problems solved. I think that we do have the political um, momentum to get it done. But it's going to take effort from the citizenry. It's going to take effort from everybody out there, every one of the audience, to contact their congressperson, Republican or Democrat, and let them know, I expect you to do the right thing here, and here is what the right thing is. There's a march coming up that we're going to be talking about, March 24th, a march on March 24th. In April 20th, there's going to be more activism to be done. Take time. If you have to take time off work, this is important. This matters for the future of our country, of our children, of everything we hold dear. Is making progress on this particular topic. So, what do you say we wrap this up? With more CPAC. Taking care of biz. Mona Charon. Mona Charon. Yeah. This is very, very good. She's a conservative writer who is not supportive of Donald Trump. She was asked to be on a panel during CPAC and she attended. Uh, she wrote an op-ed in New York, the New York Times today, and she said that she really struggled with the decision. She wasn't sure if she actually wanted to go because she wanted to be honest about her feelings, and she knew how the crowd would react. And so she found herself feeling a bit fearful, I guess, about that experience. And she was right about how they reacted because she decided to tell the truth about how she felt about Donald Trump. And the crowd was not happy. She got booed. Keep in mind, this is this is the 8.5 CPAC. Mm-hmm. This is the extreme political, the right political conference. Right. This isn't some random liberal they had to balance out the ideas. This is a conservative woman. Yes. She writes for National Review. Yes. It's, this is, she's, she is. On the far right of that particular pol- political spectrum. I'm disappointed in people on our side okay. for being hypocrites about uh, sexual harassers and abusers of women who are in our party, who are sitting in the White House, who brag about their extramarital affairs, who brag about mistreating women. And because he happens to have an R after his name, we, we look the other way. We don't complain. Um, this, is, this is a party that was ready to um, endorse, the Republican Party endorsed Roy Moore uh, for the Senate in the state of Alabama, even though he was a credibly accused child molester. You cannot claim that you stand for women and, and put up with that. Well, you know... This is this is a really interesting point because this there's been this this and there are many witch hunt. Um, but there have been there's been this explosion of sexual harassment scandals and in many cases accusation has been equal to conviction right many people get accused and that's all anyone needs I I worry 
Honestly, I worry about the young men as well as the young women because they're, they have no idea what to do. So, that's right. You actually, guys, right? Speaking of, and that's speaking right. of bad guys, there was quite an interesting person. Hold there on. was quite an interesting person who was on this stage the other day. Her name is Marion Le Pen. Now, why was she here? Why was she here? Uh, she's a young, no longer in office politician from France. I think the only reason she was here is because she's named Le Pen. And the <laughs> Le Pen name is a disgrace. Her grandfather is a racist and a Nazi. She claims that she stands for him. And, and the fact that CPAC invited her is a disgrace. Well. Fucking awkward. <laughs> also, how many of those fucking hillbillies know anything about Marie Le Pen or her father? Or Marion Le Pen and her, her grandfather. There's not a chance they know anything about it. Mm-hmm. They are white nationalists in France. And maybe if they do know, it's because they are also white nationalists here in America. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. But this woman, listen, conservative, super conservative, likely is misaligned relative to your political opinions, Brittany. Mm-hmm. This is political. This is courage right here. For sure. Uh, even the other women on the panel looked visibly uncomfortable, <laughs> especially the one right next to her. As soon as she started saying this, it the was... The younger lady, the yeah, younger girl. It, it was yeah. like, holy shit, what is happening right now? <laughs> um, and she had to be escorted. She had to be escorted out. And she said the guards that were escorting her out seemed genuinely concerned for her safety. What does that tell you about this particular... Republican Party. And that's all she said. <laughs> she didn't... That's use, the clip. That's she, the whole thing. She didn't use profanity. She didn't personally attack or personally insult anyone in the audience. She didn't say Donald Trump even. Yeah, she didn't say his name. And the, the guards who were escorting her out were concerned for her safety because of the reaction from the crowd. So... It's a witch hunt! It's a witch hunt! It, it's... It's pretty, remar- it's pretty remarkable and alarming <laughs> um, that she tried to be reasonable and say, hey, listen, this is hypocrisy. We need to address this. Yes. And she's speaking facts. And it, truth. it wouldn't even be heard. They, they can't even listen to it. You can't even go there. You can't even have a discussion about it. Don't talk about it. Get out. Yeah. And this is Get not, out or we're going to hurt you. Yeah, this is not, this is not good. <laughs> this is not helpful. Listen, it's one thing when people um, malign the political discourse in our country and talk about how, oh, it's one thing, oh, Democrats or Republicans, they can't even talk. You can't even talk if you're a Republican and you disagree with the fucking witch hunt narrative. Mm-hmm. What does that say about our political discourse in this country? Mm-hmm. It's one thing if if Sean Hannity and and some and, and and Rachel Maddow can't see eye to eye and find some some common ground. Yeah. But when even con- far right conservatives can't do so because of the threat of violence where security has to be called in, 
that's a yeah. That's this a is... whole different flavor and a problem that is a a a far right problem. Yes, um, I. Why do you disagree? Well, I I think the tribalism is a problem on on either side. Sure, sure, but but the violence though, that's a like if if I was to say something. You know, like I probably would at some mm-hmm. political gathering that would ruffle some feathers because I'm still, you know, relatively conservative as a liberal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some conservative leaning viewpoints. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to be escorted out by security. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that you wouldn't. I, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not talking about the violence issue, mm, but okay. the tribalism is a problem. For and sure. For sure. There were people during the election that if you weren't supportive of Bernie Sanders. Uh, we're very angry and hostile. Yeah. Uh, at least I encountered that personally. Um, so that's a thing that happened. <laughs> it, I think that's still happening. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, um, but, but this is something interesting because even though Mona Charon, that woman that you heard, shares their same values, if they were to take a political typology quiz. Yeah, like they I would, side with kind yeah, of Yeah, they would land on the same side. They would land on the same side of the spectrum. They believe but, the same on economic policy, but it doesn't on matter. social policy. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because if you don't support Donald Trump, then even if you're in that tribe... You're not really in that tribe, yeah, because you don't support Donald Trump. So it's not enough to be a conservative anymore. You have to be a Trump. You have to be a Trump. You have to be a Trump conservative, which isn't really conservative because he doesn't believe in the free market. He's not a a free trade guy. He's right. He's a fucking authoritarian in the in in the ranks in the waiting. Yeah, and so that's that's scary when politics goes there, and it's about following this perfect being in their eyes yeah. he is that can do no wrong someone said that he's not oh no it was it was dana lad da- dana lash god damn i'm gonna fucking i don't care enough to say her name right so mm-hmm. i might as well just call her dana like mm-hmm. dana bat from cnn mm-hmm. but um she said he's not our 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 messiah our conservative messiah yeah because that spirit lives on in all of us the reagan spirit and the uh, she went on into all of that but he is he is an authoritarian and they are blindly following him Mm -hmm. anyway not good Mm -hmm. not good let's end the show Brittany page we are well into this hour and a half. Can you believe that? There you go. That's a long single episode. Yep. 386 mm-hmm. of I Doubt It with Dollamore. Yep. If you too would like to sound off like our earlier callers, you can call 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I Doubt It at Dollamore.com. We would love to hear from you. We would love to have you add your voice. To move the conversation forward. If you are new because you're watching this on YouTube, we would love to have you help us produce the show. You can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon, which is a monthly kind of a Kickstarter, but it's on a monthly basis. You can give a dollar a month. You can give 20 or 50 or 100 bucks a month if you're Daddy Warbucks. However much you want. All of it goes to a good place. Every bit of it uh, goes a long way. Mm -hmm. Every single dollar. It is a beautiful thing. We appreciate it very much. You can also buy 
Dollamore swag, podcast gear at dollamore.info, totes, shirts, mugs. Is there anything else? Uh, no. <laughs> and also, if you use Amazon, if you shop on Amazon, go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. Mm-hmm. And there you can buy all kinds of stuff that's not Dollamore related, but we get a little bit. And if you're going to spend your money there anyway, we would love it for you to help support the show, help produce the show, help move that conversation forward. Mm -hmm. We love you. We appreciate you. Subscribe to the show. There's still people who listen on the website. Is this show ever going to end? It's going to end. Okay. Would you like it to end? I would. All right. For Brittany Page... I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt it. You're so hateful.